Hey everyone, welcome to this podcast brought to you by Raptor Aid and hosted by me, Jimmy Hill. During the coronavirus lockdown, we decided to host some live interviews with raptor conservationists and experts from all over the world. The podcast you're about to listen to was recorded during the lockdown period live on Facebook. Apologies if some of it sounds a little bit disjointed and we go a little bit off track with questions from the audience, but hopefully you'll enjoy listening to your favourite expert right here on Raptor Rambles. What does it take to save one of the rarest eagles on the planet? We're joined by Dr. Jason Abanez of the Philippine Eagle Foundation, where he heads up their conservation and research. Jason goes through all the struggles that are facing the Philippine Eagle, and we hope you enjoy listening in. Right, I think we are live. There's a bit of a lag with the video, Jason. I found out the other day, so... I'm going to ignore Facebook because I'll have a, I'll get it up on my phone and see whether it's working. But yeah, there's like a 20 second delay from what we're saying now to what goes out on Facebook. So I see, yeah. it's a bit difficult. It, there's no point me watching the Facebook page because it just. But I'll just double check it's it's working. Right. Yes, we're on. I think we're on. It's working. Right. Okay. Um, so, Jason, quickly, you might as well start by telling us how long you've been at the Philippine Eagle Foundation for. When did you hatch at the Philippine Eagle Foundation? Yes, Jimmy. Yeah, so uh, I've been with the foundation for the past uh, 23 years now, going 24 this July. Um, and I started as a, a young field biologist then. Um, and then, yeah. Uh, Still happy to work for the foundation. Brilliant. Because you did, because you're now, what, what's your correct title? At the, your... So, yeah, so I'm currently the director for uh, research and conservation. So yes. there are uh, two aspects of the work. It's uh, first is, of course, research, looking at uh, wild populations, studying them, putting on GPS trackers on birds, doing habitat assessments, population surveys. And then uh, the other aspect of the work is uh, doing um, community engagement and stakeholder engagement to preserve habitats and uh, species. So um, it's basically bringing, using research information um, in the service of uh, conservation actions with uh, people. Um, and so that's how we sort of uh, make sure that the research information generated feeds into policies and conservation actions on the ground. Yeah. So those anyone that tunes into this that doesn't know, um, I'll quickly cover. The Philippine eagle is critically endangered. I'll get Jason to tell us a bit more about that in a minute. Uh, and the Philippine Eagle Foundation runs the Philippine Eagle Centre as well, which is in Davao, isn't it, Jason? I've, I've been lucky enough to visit it twice. Um, and that's where, how many pairs of eagles have you got there at the moment? Well, we have uh, a total of uh, 31 uh, Philippine eagles uh, yeah. at the center. And uh, 30 are, uh, most of them are rescued birds from Mindanao. Um, and then some of them are captive bred, uh, bred at the center. And then we have 
our single um, recently rescued Philippine eagle from the island of Samar. So yeah. this female eagle is the first um, rescued, uh, rehabilitated uh, Philippine eagle that has been brought to the Philippine Eagle Center. And the, uh, I suppose the idea of the Eagle Center is to create a, a sort of hold a gene, like a DNA bank, really, isn't it? You're also yeah. rehabilitating injured birds. True, yeah. So, um, so these birds are sort of uh, representatives of different bloodlines in Mindanao. Um, so we have birds rescued from Mount Apo, from the major um, mountain ranges. And then um, using our information about where these birds came from. What a faff. Hold on. Right, I think we're live again. Sorry, anyone that was watching that and uh, it got cut off. Um, so Jason was just talking about, um, when, when we got cut off, Jason was just talking about the eagles that are kept at the centre um, and the work that's done there with them. So the eagles are obviously critically endangered in the wild. How many pairs roughly or individual birds do you think are in the wild at the moment or roughly? Yeah, so we think there are no more than uh, 400 uh, eagle pairs or adult eagle pairs in the wild that's remaining. And perhaps uh, more than half of them are found on Mindanao Island. Um, so there are four islands where eagles are found. You have, uh, you have them in Lu on Luzon Island, um, and then you have them in Leyte, Samar, and then again, Mindanao, having perhaps um, half or more than half of the living uh, Philippine eagle population. Yeah, yeah. And what, what work is, what's the current state of play with with obviously COVID-19 and, and the pressures well I tell you what, before we answer that what are the for the people that don't know what are the pressures that eagles are facing at the moment yeah so basically there are two major threats to the wild population one is uh, shooting hunting and then trapping so um, well despite the, the there's a law that protects the bird uh, sadly, um, some Filipinos still uh, shoot and uh, kill the Philippine eagle. Um, so we have cases of um, eagles uh, getting shot by hunters. We've uh, rescued a Philippine eagle back in the late 90s, and x-rays showed that the bird had 10 air gun pellets uh, inside its body. So uh, we saw that after uh, x-ray, and then... Um, in 2017, we also had a bird the, whose um, wings were, uh, wing bones were severely broken. So apparently what happened is that the bird was caught uh, accidentally in traps intended for wild pig and deer. You know, remarkably for such a large bird, they also uh, walk at the forest floor often to look for snakes and rodents yeah. and they some of them end up in traps so so yeah and then of course there's deforestation um the philippines have lost uh 80 percent of its original forest cover um we ha have very little forest left and the philippine eagles just couldn't survive outside of the forest 
Um, yeah. So so these two, uh, shooting and hunting, and then habitat loss is a major threat to the eagles. Yeah, because I remember discussing with you with the, the, one of the issues with habitat loss is the fact that obviously people are encroaching and the eagles are losing habitat. People are encroaching on on that habitat through farming and so on, and that's obviously right. bringing that's bringing eagles to the edge of, of the forest anyway. And then then you get a conflict between and maybe eagles predating livestock or chickens or something like that. So it's so it's like a double-edged right. sword, isn't it, really, the, the, the loss of True. habitat? Yeah, well, you're right. Uh, actually, one of the reasons why they're getting shot is that they're, some eagles, especially when they're breeding, uh, feed on domestic animals to, to, to their chick. And that's when the farmers get angry and then they shoot it in uh, retaliation. And then, um, you know, apart from habitat loss, there's also fragmentation. Well, forests are becoming smaller and then, so for example, we have a Philippine Eagle territory that's only over uh, a thousand hectares. Uh, and the nearest large forest cover is about 12 kilometers away and that's aerial distance. So, so you can just imagine how hard it is for the juvenile once they leave this isolated forest um, and then leave their parents um, as they cross open habitats, and that's when they get shot and killed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we're lo also looking at, you know, active translocation in the future, like uh, for nesting territories that are isolated, uh, perhaps we could trap young eagles and then help them cross open areas and then bring them to protected areas to keep, keep them safe. Because just on, on, on the, that, because obviously you try and sat satellite tag as many eagles as, as, as possible. Um, what sort of things have you found in terms of movement of eagles? Have you found that they will completely avoid open area, trying to move between open areas, anything like that? Yeah, well, well, interestingly, many of our birds are actually edge birds. Uh, they're, they're, they're occupying mostly uh, forest edges. And I think it's because of, you know, and this is practically true in Mindanao, this is because uh, many of the preferred habitats are uh, already at the edges and perhaps because uh, it's easy to see gray items at the, at the forest edges. We had a release bird in uh, Maitum, Sarangani province, and this male bird uh, walks along the forest edge, edge to look for cobras and rodents. So that's his favorite food. Um, so yeah, and then I think it's also because uh, most of the lowland forest has been cleared on Mindanao and uh, the preferred habitats are mostly in the uplands, but at the edges. Um, we also found out that they're not using um, forests at high elevations. Yeah. Um, and, and that's because I, I believe the prey items are not there. So. So it's also a distribution of a result of the distribution of your uh, preferred food, uh, and apparently these prey items like flying lemurs, civet cats, again cobras um, and rodents, uh, they're mostly at the forest edges too. Uh, but then that's a dilemma for 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 the eagles because that's where the the people are also. 
Yeah. So again, it's this uh, increasing encounter rates between people and eagles. Uh, as to the, the movements, uh, interestingly, juveniles, when they leave their parents' territory, they either use um, riparian forests or forests along a river system as their yeah. dispersal pathway. And they also use uh, forest patches. Like they can move um, across open areas, but they use uh, forest, small forest patches as stepping stones. And we, we saw that particularly with uh, a Philippine eagle that we've been tracking for the past uh, six years. Um, and, and so, yeah, we're, we're really, uh, this is very interesting because it appears that we really have to create a landscape that it's in, that's environment friendly and also work on uh, protecting forest patches and um, riparian forest if we want eagles to move around the landscape safely. Yeah, and so just tell, tell everyone about what, one of the things I think you said to me when I, I think I've asked you in the past about one of the things you're most proud of. And I, I think if I remember rightly, it was to do with the forest guards and the, all the community work that, and it's something that I, I, I'm incredibly impressed with when I've been out there and joined you, um, is the work that you do with, with the local community. So just tell people a bit about that work. Yeah, so, well, I, I think this is really very important, working with uh, communities, especially in uh, uh, communities that are living close to nesting sites. Um, well, I think like many uh, raptors, um, the Philippine eagles are very loyal to the places where they breed. Uh, they use it across generations um, as long as it's intact. Um, and in the Philippine landscape, um, many of our forests are occupied by indigenous peoples. Um, in fact, you would, you would understand that these um, indigenous communities have long relations with their environment and wildlife because Philippine eagles are also found in their oral histories or in their um, cultural beliefs and also um, as an element of their uh, origin stories. So, um, and so you would understand that this, this, these communities are seeing the Philippine eagles whenever they do courtship displays, um, during breeding season when they're vocal. Um, and so what we did was to um, work with these uh, communities living close to nesting sites and make sure that, you know, if they help out with conservation, that would also result to a better life for them. Um, and uh, since many of the indigenous communities in the uplands are poor um, and they also need, need help in terms of uh, economic support, uh, our Forest Guard program um, aims to you know, bring a decent income uh, to, the, to the communities uh, by uh, engaging them to protect the eagles, do monitoring, do foot patrols to prevent threats like illegal logging and also to take out native traps. Uh, as I've mentioned, um, it's uh, native traps intended for deer and wild pig uh, is, is a threat to, to our eagles. So, so the idea really is to incentivize uh, the, the services that they do. And, and this is all the more important because um, they're, they're, they're really looking forward to clear yeah. income uh, to take care of their basic needs. Um, 
and and also we've uh, one of the things that we've also innovated on is um, to look at uh, the culture of indigenous peoples and then use that also as a uh, reason for them to conserve the eagles. So we've been calling it uh, culture-based conservation, like look at their belief systems, their values, and uh, try to document them and then help them engage their own knowledge, their own beliefs, um, while also uh, sharing with them what scientific tools can, can do to help them monitor um, wildlife. So we have indigenous forest guards who are now using camera traps to monitor uh, deer and wild pig uh, population within their ancestral domains or the indigenous territories. Um, yeah, and, and, and also use um, radio telemetry. Um, so, so we're kind of excited about this merger of the scientific knowledge and tools brought in by researchers like us and then the indigenous peoples using their own local knowledge of wildlife um, uh, and, their, and their belief systems and values um, to, to achieve conservation. And it, and it really works. I mean, I'm, I, as I say, I, I, I've experienced it firsthand with you going, going out to a wild nest and, and meeting, meeting the, the local forest guards on two occasions. Because, um, and it is, it's, it's, for me, it's the only way forward. I think it's the only way forward. This cultural based conservation is, is fantastic. How many, how many forest guards have you got trained up now today, roughly? So we've, um, for the past uh, four years that we've been doing it, we had uh, over 700 forest guards across the Philippines. Uh, in Davao City, for example, we have 200 forest guards uh, yeah. protecting uh, six Philippine eagle territories. Yeah. Um, and that's all in Davao City. So we've, we've um, sort of increased the ratio of forest guards to forest protected. Like uh, in the past, um, the government's ratio is one forest ranger to 7,000 hectares of forest. Now in yeah. Davao City, we've increased it to one forest guard, indigenous forest guard, looking after 250 hectares of forests. Um, so, and then, well, an important aspect of this is that it brings tangible benefits to them uh, in terms of additional income, We've also engaged um, the, the wife of the forest guard. So we have this cute uh, conservation plushies, uh, yeah. these small stuffed toys that uh, our indigenous women uh, sue themselves. You know? So they make this and then we sell it and then they, um, they earn extra income from the sa sales of this uh, conservation plushies. Now, if you, if you check our website, uh, we have it featured in our, um, in our website. I'm trying to see if I've got one here. We, I, I brought one home for my mum. I think my my mum's got a um, one of the Raffleesias. Is that right? Yes, Raffleesia. But it's in the yeah. car actually. It's hanging. It's hanging off the off the the, the car rear view mirror. And I've got an eagle at home. Well, it's not here. I yeah. Have got it, but, but yeah. So we're now we now have four plushies. We have of course the Philippine eagle plushie. Uh, we have the um, uh, Philippine trogon. Uh, yeah. which is also an endemic species to the Philippines. Uh, we have the um, southern rufous hornbill, the hornbill that's endemic to Mindanao. And then we have the Mindanao flying squirrel, 
yeah. uh, which is also a food item of the Philippine Eagle. So, so far, these are the plushies that we've sustained. And then we have um, over 200 uh, indigenous women. And last year they've earned, um, or the sales went to about 400,000 400, pesos. Brilliant. And then half of that went to went to the to the ladies. Um, Brilliant. That's so it. yeah, so that's a, a such a, a biodiversity friendly enterprise that we also do with indigenous communities. Because it's not because it, that's what it's that's one of the other things I was I was really impressed with. It's not just about the eagle, is it? You know, it's it's the whole package is is included in the conservation work you do. So including including what we were talking about before we came on Facebook about growing the trees, the wildlings, and, and also helping people sell coffee that they're growing, um, or, or even working with lawyers, you know, when I've been there before, you, you know, and, and you've been helping communities with lawyers against illegal logging and stuff like that. It's, right. it's incredible the, 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 the work you, that you do with the local community. Yeah, that's what we also um, learned that, you know, the, the, the best thing really to, to do, to have a partnership with community. And then uh, it's also important to target their aspirations. So before we, we do this uh, support interventions, we do what we've been calling the uh, community conservation and development planning. Um, so it's a planning process that we do with the village or community and then ask them about their own aspirations. Uh, what are their aspirations for the next five years? And then they write it down and then we broker. Uh, we find a way um, to, uh, so that these aspirations are delivered. So some of them are actually, some of the aspirations are daycare centers. It could be water system. It could be um, a school. It could be um, agroforestry, uh, seedlings, etc. So it really depends on the on the aspiration of the community. And and when we did that, that's when we we saw that you know these are the tangible benefits that they get for conservation. And that's how you cement their uh, motivation really to go to go the into conservation, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and change yeah. behavior. Um, yeah. I was just going to say because that reminded me was there was another thing you did which I thought was a, it was so clever was with digital cameras where you gave communities digital cat was it or was it the women in the communities a digital camera and they took pictures yeah, yeah. of what they yeah that's, they, that's on, sorry. We've, we, yeah we've called it photo voice and this is to is this is a method so that women can also share their thoughts about um, uh, aspirations that are important for the community. Uh, it's it's basically a way of making sure that you get all the inputs from the different members of the community. Uh, um, and we think that through photographs, uh, women can capture aspirations that often um, the men who are often dominant in the community wouldn't think about. about. So, so it's this like woman's space yeah. where um, they could freely talk about uh, what they think would be best for their community and then that that aspiration becoming part of their plan. So this is a five-year plan. Um, it's a, normally it takes about a week 
to uh, complete the community conservation and development planning. And this is advertised. And then after that, um, the, the Philippine Eagle Foundation with the community and other partners like your local government units, private corporations, et cetera, and other potential funders would then help in. Uh, and that way, you know, you, uh, we can say that they, they, they have a be better life doing conservation uh, and saving eagles and forests rather than destroying it. Brilliant. Right. I've had a, someone has asked a question relating to what we've just been talking about. Um, have you seen or started to see a change in attitudes towards conservation in new, new generations or younger generations coming forward? Yeah, I, I, I think we're, we're getting um, some progress, uh, especially with the youth. Um, so for example, one of the one of the things we did uh, in our community conservation planning was to engage youth as um, like um, project officers. So they underwent training um, and then they helped out with uh, documenting, say for example, uh, biodiversity of the, of the ancestral domain or the surrounding forest. They helped out with gathering um, data about people uh, so this, this data gathering uh, as a prerequisite for planning. And then remarkably, the youth that we've trained when we did this 10 years ago, they're now um, leaders in their own community. So for example, one of our um, community project officers is now the bar barangay captain of oh, yeah. one of the villages. And, and so you can see that it's really empowering and in their decisions, in their visions for the community, they're uh, taking into consideration Philippine eagle conservation into the decisions. So, so we keep doing that, um, hiring, training and hiring in indigenous co-researchers or indigenous project officers. Um, we believe that that's one way of empowering them. And then we also benefit from their knowledge uh, because you know they know the local context, they know the community protocols, and so we learn from them. So it's a co-learning um, opportunity as well. Um, and then they get to earn. Many of these youth are actually out-of-school youth. You know, uh, they're 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 good, they're intelligent, but then because they're financially short, they couldn't really uh, support their um, or their college education. Um, and so and so we're generating, uh, apart from empowerment, is local jobs, actually. Yeah. Um, and, so, and so, yeah, we, we think that uh, through the direct participation of the youth uh, in our projects, plus, of course, our education campaigns, we do outreach uh, in, in the daycare centers that we've set up. We have games for the kids. Um, and then uh, getting them, um, starting them young, so to speak. Um, and so, so, so conservation and, and eagle conservation specifically is now sort of part of the community psych, so to speak. And they're, and they're proud. Um, and then I think one, one of the things we've also innovated on is uh, for the indigenous leaders um, to and give them support and then the confidence and even the tools to uh, engage 
local governments, you know, do the presentation themselves using PowerPoints. You know, we, we provide the, the, the tools, the LCD projectors, the venues, and then them telling the, the donors and the, the government officials uh, their dream for the community and in a way that increases their networks and then their social, social capital, so to speak. So yeah, I, I believe um, we're, we're gaining some progress, not only with the youth, but also with uh, indigenous leaders and giving the voice, giving them voice um, to get more uh, partners to their, to their uh, plans and projects. Yeah, and I've just the moment you mentioned projector then, I don't know why it pinged into my head. Of course, one of the, we, we can't not mention the film, the movie, um, before, yeah, before we finish. Yes, yeah. So how's, how's that all, obviously, the current situation, you're not able to hold screenings, but I know you've been holding screenings right across the Philippines and in America as well, where the, the producers and, and, and where the cameraman uh, was from. So tell everyone a little bit about the movie quickly, plug that. Yeah, so Bird of Prey, Bird of Prey is the latest uh, Philippine Eagle documentary. It was uh, directed and filmed by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology and um, film on location by uh, Emmy Award winning cinematographer Neil Rettig, who was the guy who did the first uh, Philippine Eagle documentary back in the 70s. Um, and then this is the, the second and only film that was produced. Um, so last year, um, we had um, screenings across the Philippines. We were able to screen uh, Bird of Prey in over 100 uh, locations across the Philippines. So this includes cinema, screenings, um, gymnasium screenings. You know, we had one screening in Ormoc, uh, in a city in Leyte, yep. and we had 7,000, over 7,000 students watching Bird of Prey. Mm -hmm. And that also resulted to some donations um, out of the Bird of Prey screening. Um, um, so for, for this year, we're, uh, again, we're, we will be continuing the screenings across the Philippines, but, small, but mostly in the uplands. So we're working on a dubbed um, um, film, yeah. um, Bird of Prey dubbed in uh, Tagalog or Filipino, yeah. the national language, and then Bisaya for uh, a local dialect in um, Leyte, Samar, and Mindanao. Uh, but unfortunately, because of the um, COVID-19 crisis, our um, screening has been canceled. Um, and then the dubbing, unfortunately, was also stalled. Uh, but, you know, hopefully when things normalize, uh, we can continue with um, uh, screening the film and bring yeah. it to as many Filipinos as possible. But, you know, if you want to check out the, the English version of the film, it's available on... Uh, for paid screening on Vimeo, uh, Amazon, and um, uh, there's another platform I forgot. So Vimeo, uh, Amazon, and I'll check the other later. Well, I'll, 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 I'll share it on here. I'll share. I'll share. A, I'll share a picture of the plushies, and I'll share. A, I'll share the the bird of movie because I think it's only about five or six quid. To, I, I've watched it a couple of times, and it's fantastic. Um, so yeah, I'll, uh, 
I'll, I'll share it on here to make sure people have got a link to it. No, no problem. Um, I've got a couple of questions have come in. Um, one of them from a, someone called Keanu, who um, says, I think Keanu's in the Philippines. He's put... Yeah, good yeah, yeah, no. yeah he must I be. think he's I know put, him. He's put good evening, so he knows it's night time. He knows what time it is. <laughs> yeah. um, good evening, Sir Jay. May I ask, what Raptor-related studies can I do as a student? Well, there's plenty of um, topics that you can focus on. Uh, so, for example, uh, the Pinsker's hawk eagle. Uh, hawk eagle is the most endangered raptor in the Philippines, second to the Philippine eagle. It's a um, endangered species. Now, we don't know anything about its breeding biology, uh, its diet. Um, so perhaps um, doing a nest study of the uh, Pinsker's hawk eagle would be one. Um, basic um, distribution uh, surveys of um, the Pinsker's hawk eagle would also be one. So for example, you concentrate on Mount Apple, find as many nests as possible, and then map out its distribution. You can also do telemetry work, you know, tracking of um, hawk eagles. Um, uh, I'm, I'm quite biased with the hawk eagle because no one's studying it, but then this bird is also uh, endangered, um, yeah. equally endangered. Um, next um, endangered species to the Philippine eagle. So you don't, I suppose you don't even have a, a concrete fit, not a concrete, but a, an idea. Do you have an idea of how many there is or a number? But, well, there's um, an estimate for uh, for the population, you know, bird life has that data, uh, but then this has not been tested in in um, in the real world, so to speak, in in the wild. So, again, perhaps um, you know, looking at a certain area, uh, doing distribution, uh, nest distribution mapping, and then uh, at least measure distances between two active nests. Yeah. So in a way, you'll have uh, an estimate. Um, and, and then, then uh, data is also showing, you know, I have a friend who's um, trying to um, monitor uh, illegal wildlife trade of raptors. Yeah. And uh, many uh, hawk eagle uh, nestlings are, uh, are, are ending up in the illegal wildlife trade. Um, then you have photos on Facebook of many rescued uh, immature hawk eagles. So I think you know, they're really uh, vulnerable, um, yeah. these Pinsker's hawk eagles, and also, of course, the uh, northern um, Philippine hawk eagle, uh, which is found only in Luzon. Yeah, okay, there you go. Hopefully that helps helps you, Keanu. Um, yeah, hi, Keanu. <laughs> two questions, which are kind of, well, one will answer the, the other one, I think. Um, so a friend of mine has asked, um, We've talked about this quite a lot recently. Uh, can I ask if if you collaborate with zoos um, worldwide in a similar way to say the bearded vulture collaboration, the European Endangered Species Project? And if there is, if you don't, is there some is there something to consider for the future to get better bloodlines? Well, this is something you've already just started, isn't it? Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. So. I think this is perfect for the uh, Eagle Loan Program. So we have actually started sending uh, eagles um, 
to a uh, to uh, to Singapore to Wildlife uh, Reserve Singapore or Jurong Bird Park. So we have uh, a pair of Philippine eagles loaned to them for the next ten years, and the idea is for um, a Singapore Zoo to help with breeding the Philippine eagles. Um, so this is uh, part of our efforts to um, protect the species uh, from um, from perhaps uh, diseases. Um, so it's a sort of an insurance policy just in case our um, captive population at the Philippine Eagle Center gets uh, wiped out uh, by um, catastrophes. Um, for example, um, avian flu uh, is now in the Philippines. We had our um, we had an outbreak in Luzon in 2017, and then recently, um, just uh, last March 2020, another outbreak. So yeah, we're actually keen on distributing the Philippine eagles to different zoos across the world, and then this zoo is helping out with breeding um, the birds, and then birds, um, captive bred birds, will then be brought back to the Philippines either to become uh, part of the breeding pool or to be released back to the wild. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and we really need help. Um, as as uh, the late Dr. Perry Ong mentioned, although the Philippine eagle is found only in the Philippines, it's essentially a property of the world. So we really yeah. need help from the international community with uh, yes. making sure that the eagles are um, kept safe. Because some, yeah, and that answers Simon's just asked whether there are any Philippine eagles in the UK or any part of any captive breeding programs in the UK. And in short, no, there isn't. The only the only Philippine eagles found outside of the Philippines are at Jerome Bird Park, aren't they, Jason? They're the only ones outside of the Philippines. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's something that needs to be addressed. And I know we've we've discussed it with. A couple of well with one big zoo over here and hopefully we can uh, it's something we can help jason with and, and work on but at the moment philippine eagle is only found in the philippines and jerome bird park have got a pair in in singapore so so yeah what watch this space but it is it we so just to just to finish off then um the current climate, the, the situation we're in at the moment, um, COVID-19 crisis, what what impact is, is that having on the Philippine Eagle Centre, the Philippine Eagle Foundation? Um, yeah, well, because of the COVID-19 COVID lockdown, um, and this is happening across the Philippines, you know, the, the Philippine Eagle Centre um, has closed, so we're not accepting uh, tours. We're not accepting visitors, and and this closure actually um, hurt the operation so so much because um, well we're we're an NGO, we're a nonprofit, so we don't have enough savings really to um, to to feed and care for for the for our animals at the Philippine Eagle Center. So apart from the thirty one Philippine eagles that we have, we also have um, over uh, 80 bird, 80 animals, uh, non-Philippine eagles, no mammals. We have deer, we have monkeys, we have crocodiles, other raptors at the Eagle Center. Um, and so, and so, um, and so we, we really need um, funds to 
um, keep feeding them and then uh, taking care care of them. So that's one of the um, uh, major impacts of the COVID-19 lockdown on uh, at the Philippine Eagle Center. Uh, we also need to pay for our um, animal keepers, taking care of the animals. Um, in the wild, practically, we have no operations right now. Um, and so um, there's no surveys happening. Um, um, we've, we've stopped engaging uh, our indigenous um, partners with um, activities, you know, such as population surveys, etc. And uh, we just heard that uh, many of our indigenous communities are going hungry uh, because, you know, they're not earning any income because of the COVID-19 uh, lockdown. And, um, and one of the things we want to do perhaps in the, in, in, in immediately is to help out with food for work uh, projects for the, for the poor indigenous uh, people. So, so these two major things are, are, are the, the impacts to, of the COVID-19 crisis to, the, to our operations in general. Yeah, and we were talking about just before we came on air, um, again, so that one of the big impacts you mentioned was that because the local indigenous people who might be growing um, coffee, coffee beans or, or bananas or, or any of the products that, that they now can't move them into town cities to sell them, or they can't go into town cities to earn a living from just doing basic manual labor, as you, as you said, has meant that they're now having to look at other ways to create an income. And that's coming from things like slash and burn farming to grow their own vegetables, um, to feed, just to basically feed themselves. And, and obviously that's going to have a, an impact on, well, habitat, the eagles and, and other wildlife as well. So it's, it, it, people forget about it, but it does have a big impact on, yeah, on, on yeah, the, the work that you, you've done. So. So, yeah, yeah. We've, we've, we've been in touch with uh, some of our contacts at the community. And for one community, for example, all of the able-bodied men and women already left the village and went to the forest. It was only the elders who were left uh, at the community. Um, and so they actually reached out if we could uh, help organize, you know, uh, food provisions um, and then basic um, basic needs, you know, such as soap, um, of course, uh, sugar, things like that, coffee, because um, practically there's no trade, no economic activity in the uplands. Um, so we're trying to look into that as well. Yeah. Oh, well, good. Yeah. Good, good luck with that. Well, we're, we're going to discuss more outside of this conversation how we can how we can try and help over here from the UK. So uh, what, yeah, watch this space. Um, we'll, we'll try and link up with you and, uh, and help you out. Right, Jason, we've, uh, we've overran. I don't want to keep you any longer. I know it's, it's evening over there in the, in the Philippines. So- uh, No worries, Jimmy. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you very much. Um, for yeah, taking the time to talk to us. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you. And uh, I'll, if I get any more questions, I will, I'll put them to Jason um, and 
in a, in a separate thing and, and try and answer them. And I'll share a load of stuff on Facebook next for the, for the work that you do. Anyway, right. Cheers, Jason. I'll, uh, I'll get rid of the video and you're free to okay. enjoy. Your have, have some downtime. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy. Take care. Right, take bye. care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.